You're listening to the Course Report Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Course Report is the most complete resource for coding boot camps. On our site, we have thousands of reviews, hundreds of interviews, and a full directory of every coding boot camp around the world. On our podcast, we're sharing everything you need to stay up to date on this blossoming industry. Whether you're a boot camp founder or a future student, we hope you'll learn something on the Course Report Podcast. Well, welcome to the first news roundup of 2018. I'm Liz. I'm Imogen. And I'm Lauren. And we are rounding up all of the news about coding boot camps that we thought was interesting at Course Report from January. Um, we're all already having a really busy 2018. We just published our latest outcomes and demographics report. That's one of my favorites. And I think we're seeing a really promising focus on diversity in tech and how boot camps can help diversify the workforce uh, since the beginning of the year. So a great way to start. Uh, Lauren and Imogen, what else are we going to talk about this month? Well, first, we'll briefly go over some interesting news from December that you may have missed over the holidays. And we're going to share a pretty significant fundraising announcement from an online boot camp. We're seeing more and more journalists explore why employers should hire bootcamp grads and graduates of apprenticeships. And so we'll talk about, quote, deflating the degree. And a couple of pieces dove into how community colleges compare to boot camps. And we've got news about interesting partnerships here. We're also seeing how boot camps are helping to grow tech ecosystems in various cities around the country. Plus, we'll talk about the newest expansions, new campuses, new schools that are on the scene in January. And of course, we'll share our favorite pieces to write on the Course Report blog in January. Wonderful. Well, we did a year-end roundup in our podcast last month. If you haven't listened to that yet, please go check it out. But that meant that we didn't really get to touch on some of the news that we heard about in December. So uh, Lauren and Imogen, anything that we should mention that we read about over the holidays? Yeah, so I read a really nice article on Vice's motherboard section, which looked at coding boot camps versus community colleges. And that kind of looked at factors like cost, diversity and job pipelines. So that's a really great article to take a look at if you're actually tossing up between going to community college or going to coding boot camp. Yeah, community colleges are not like shiny or trendy, but like this author says, I love this piece. Um, you know, you're probably not going to like learn React, but community colleges are totally overlooked. They're inexpensive and they're an alternative to the typical like four year degree pipeline. So don't sleep on community colleges uh, like boot camps. I think they're really cool alternatives. Yes. And then Ryan Craig of University Ventures gave an interesting overview on TechCrunch about the successes and failures of MOOCs, which are massive online open courses, specifically when getting students hired, compared to boot camps like Galvanize and Flatiron School. He talks about how big names like Coursera and Udacity and other online programs have had problems with student engagement and quality outcomes. And he touches on how in-person boot camps can better equip students with the experience that they really need. Cool. Yeah, it would be it's definitely a problem to like conflate MOOCs with online coding boot camps like Thinkful or Block or, you know, in-person boot camps like Galvanize. Um, So that's a great distinction. Then according to Fortune magazine, Apple is partnering with the city of Chicago to get its 
um, app coding program into public schools and other city colleges. In the past, we've talked about Apple expanding into education. It's called their Everyone Can Code program, and they've done that in Austin. Education Dive gives a really good overview of this partnership with the city of Chicago. Um, they say that through the partnership, community colleges will offer classes on app development with Swift, which is, of course, Apple's development language. And then Imogen, you were just talking about community colleges and that motherboard article. I think this is a really good example of you know where community colleges can really be a place to test out those interesting partnerships with huge companies like Apple. So yeah, that's really awesome news for Chicago. And then I read a really interesting piece. Rep Lloyd Smucker wrote a piece for Lancaster Online about his proposed PROSPER Act, which would provide federal aid for students in short-term programs like coding boot camps. This bill is currently before the House, and it would also provide more access to apprenticeship opportunities with an Earn While You Learn grant program. So I think that is very exciting for coding boot camps. Yeah, exciting also would be like such a huge piece of news in boot camps. That's like what has distinguished boot camps from traditional education in a huge way is like access to federal aid. So uh, we will definitely keep everyone updated on that, but this would truly change the game. Cool. Then I read a great piece in The Atlantic in December by Lolade Fadulu. It's called Employers Are Looking for Job Candidates in the Wrong Places. Uh, the argument that she makes is that there is a lot of bipartisan support for non-traditional education right now, apprenticeships, coding boot camps, just non-four-year degrees. Uh, but talking about the education side of it ignores a very important part of filling the skills gap, which is that employers are not changing their hiring practices. She gives a great stat. For example, in 2015, 70% of job postings for production supervisors ask for a bachelor's degree, even though only 16% of workers employed as production supervisors actually have one. So there's a total disconnect there. And Fidulu says that uh, many employers Employers would benefit from deflating the value of a degree, and especially tech companies, which are positioned to accept candidates beyond degree programs because of just like the nature of their work. Tech is kind of a meritocracy. That degree is is even less important. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about apprenticeships later on in the podcast, but this is a great argument for them. And finally, in December, Fox News interviewed Adam Inbar, the co-founder of Flatiron School, about how coding will become the new manufacturing of the next generation. He said, end quote, I think we've lost the ability to, to make things. Americans love to build and create and make things. This is that new wave. The new form of manufacturing is making software. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. So moving on to the latest stories in 2018, we read about a big fundraising announcement and some inspiring survey results for boot campers. So Liz, who raised money this month? Yeah, so Thinkful, which is an online coding school and is headquartered across the street from us, uh, has raised $9.6 million in a funding round from Owl Ventures and Tribeca Venture Partners. Uh, the school says that they aim to use those funds for expanding in-person offerings. They're building out these communities in different cities around the U.S. already, and I think they'll continue to do more of that. Although their founders seem very serious about Thinkful always being an online school, uh, both for profitability reasons and also for accessibility. And remember also that Thinkful recently acquired Viking Code School. 
I feel like I saw some kind of weird headlines in this press coverage. Yeah. So Daryl Silver, the co-founder of Thinkful, told Ed Surge that boot camps as an entity are not working. Uh, He referenced the closure of Dev Bootcamp in the Iron Yard, and he kind of asserts to technically Brooklyn that, you know, quote, the boot camp model didn't work out, which is a little bit funny coming from a boot camp. Yeah, that's kind of intense. (laughs) So what, what do we kind of think about that? Well, so, I mean, obviously, I have to disagree a little bit with the underlying sentiment here. You know, while two schools closed in 2017, uh, in-person coding boot camps in aggregate continued to graduate thousands of developers, and those graduates report being really well-employed. We were saying before that we just published that outcomes report, um, and that report shows that the average salary is still about $70,000 and that the majority of graduates are working as developers. So, I totally respect the headline game here, but the numbers just don't really back it up. And then also, you know, I think Thankful talks a lot about accessibility and and that being like possible because they're online. And I think that online boot camps like Thankful are really awesome, but, you know, they can coexist with in-person boot camps, right? And they certainly don't discount the work that other schools are doing in this space. There are tons of schools that are like existing and thriving in non-tech hubs all over the US, Zip Code Wilmington, Tech Talent South, Software Guild. So yeah, I just think, you know, online and in-person boot camps can totally coexist and no reason to bash either one. Well, according to the US News and World Report annual survey, the best job in the USA in 2018 is the software developer, Yay, drum roll. <laughs> The ranking uses data from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics to identify jobs with the greatest hiring demand, the best work-life balance, salary, and future prospects, among other factors. The LA Times wrote about the report and shared that the top jobs are number one, software developer, number two, dentist, number three, physician assistant, number four, healthcare jobs, including nurses and things of that nature, and then number five, orthodontist. So lots of healthcare and then tech is like... Yes. Creeping up into that. That's interesting. Cool. And then a LinkedIn study found that 75% of 25 to 33-year-olds experience a quarter-life crisis and that people often pivot or switch careers during that time. E-Learning Inside looks at this study and how this crisis could be spurring people to enroll in intensive retraining, such as coding boot camps. And this actually fits with our course report outcomes and demographics survey data, which finds that the average bootcamp graduate is 29 years old with six years of work experience and has never worked as a programmer before. Yeah, they're like total career changers. But that demographic also totally applies to us. Do we feel like we're going to make a career change? 25 to 33. I feel like they're talking to me. Are we all going to enroll in coding bootcamps, perhaps? (laughs) (laughs) Would not be the craziest thing. We know about the best ones. We do. It's interesting to hear why students enroll in a boot camp, but what happens after a boot camp? And are employers actually hiring students? Liz, what did Revature CMO write in a recent guest post? Yeah, so the Revature CMO, his name is Joe Vaca. He wrote a guest post for IDG Connect about why companies need to hire boot camp grads. Surprise, surprise, he runs a boot camp. This makes sense. Um, his selling points are that immersive training programs like boot camps help bridge the classroom and kind of traditional learning with real world experience. It adds practical skills and gives you access to the latest technology. He also mentions how boot camps bring more diversity than traditional tech pipelines. 
And it sounds like employers are starting to realize that they do need these kind of bootcamp grads. An article in The Hill looked at the rising costs of hiring programming talent and how companies are turning to outsourcing their development tasks or to coding bootcamps to hire developers. And we're also seeing this sort of thing at Course Report with companies turning to bootcamps for in-house employee mm-hmm. training. Totally. And speaking of salary, Alison Donesco Ram of Tech Republic looked at how coding boot camps are beginning to catch up with four-year computer science programs in terms of number of graduates and average starting salaries are becoming more similar. And this piece also notes that there's a catch to the success of boot campers. Even though 72% of hiring managers consider boot camp graduates to be just as prepared and likely to perform at high levels as computer science grads, Indeed found that 41% of hiring managers said that they would actually prefer to hire someone with a computer science degree because they think that they are more qualified and that they're likely to become a top performer. Oh, Lauren, I hate hearing that. I think that that inflation of the degree that we were talking about earlier in that Atlantic article just totally applies here because as a hiring manager, you think boot campers are just as prepared, but you still like just have to require the degree. And that's like the definition of degree inflation. So um, it's a really cool stat, but obviously we want to see that change. And on the other hand, Utah Business looks at the types of jobs that you can get without a bachelor's degree and how skills-based training is becoming more desirable for employers in Utah. So they use Utah specifically as a case study. So obviously this isn't all of the U.S., but in Utah, 66% of the workforce does not have a bachelor's degree. So in that case, employers just like naturally have to consider skills-based training like boot camps. Yeah, and of course, there are a bunch of boot camps in Utah already, like Dev Mountain and V-School. So there should be a bit of a pipeline there already, which is great. Totally. Okay, so we hear a lot about software developer salaries, but what about UX designers? The Globe and Mail interviewed an instructor from HackerU Coding Bootcamp about what a UX designer does, how you can learn UX design, and about salaries. The instructor estimates that salaries for junior UX designers are around $50,000, while a senior designer can earn six figures. The article also looked at stats from Indeed.com, which estimates the average UX designer salary to be around $79,296. So we've talked a lot about salaries and the types of jobs you can get, but Year in Lou of NYMAG gives a real example of some successful bootcamp grabs in their stories. Two dev bootcamp grabs from Chicago, Grant Hummer and James Fickle, started a cryptocurrency-focused investment fund called Chromatic Capital. These two left their finance jobs for dev bootcamp and then moved to San Francisco to work with Ethereum. They first invested in November of 2015 and managed to hold on through Ethereum's wild ride. And now they're raising in a $110 million dollar fund, 50 million of that fund will be from their Ethereum holdings. It's very cool to see what activities bootcamp grads are actually up to after bootcamp. So. It's also an insanely huge fund. And I can't believe they made it all off of Ethereum. That's so cool. It is. And finally, the Times of San Diego put together a handy list of tips for junior developers who are job seeking. This is from Jeff Winkler, who works at Origin Code Academy. He gives advice that you might expect already, like, you know, researching the company ahead of time before you go into the interview. But he also says something that I think is unique for boot campers. He says to follow up with answers to questions that you didn't know in the interview. And I think that especially for a boot camper who may not know like every answer in a technical interview, that's great advice. Kind of makes you stand out. 
And speaking of job interviews, a number of journalists looked into the curricula that boot camps teach and how that correlates with employer needs and how those curricula compare to uh, CS degrees this month. Imaging Coding Dojo does an employer survey every year. What did they find about the most in-demand programming languages? Yeah, so Coding Dojo's report found Java to be the most in-demand language for 2018 with Python in second place and JavaScript in third And then another survey actually came out at the same time, a HackerRank report, which found that JavaScript, Java, Python, C++, and C remain the top languages that employers want candidates to have. And then we interestingly also looked at programming languages in our latest outcomes and demographics report. And we found that graduates with the highest salary had learned Ruby on Rails at bootcamp, followed by JavaScript and C Sharp. So it's interesting to see that there are different results. In Tech Republic's coverage of this, they actually talked to Coding Jojo's head of curriculum, who talked about why developers should learn multiple coding languages to be employable, which does seem to make sense with these kind of varied stats. Also, because Coding Dojo teaches multiple languages in their curriculum, so it all kind of adds up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of employability, Jeffrey R. Young of EdSearch produced a video webinar looking at micro-credentialing and education. Micro-credentials are like mini-degrees or certifications in a specific topic area. They work especially well for technical skills, which is why we always hear boot camps come up in the conversation. You can listen to the entire conversation. We'll post a link. But here's an interesting point from the panel. And so when you when you look at the micro-credential offerings that appear to have traction and where a lot of the momentum is, you see examples of providers like uh, or, or platforms like edX, Coursera, Udacity, uh, working with employers or focused on job skills and demands that are out there in the external market, and then going to their university or college partners and really designing to that. Yeah, if you're into micro-credentials or like nano degrees, you think that's interesting, then this is a great conversation. Then I read a really cool piece in EdSurge by Sydney Johnson this month. Um, she looked at the two-year CS master's program at Mills College for women and how it compares to coding boot camps. The piece is called How a Master's Program from the 80s Quietly Keeps Up with Coding Boot Camps. And I think as you read more, we kind of find that in some ways this is totally true and others not so much. Uh, the Mills College CS master's does keep up with placement rates and like keeps their curriculum super current, the same kind of qualities that we see in boot camps, but the price is still super steep. Tuition is more than $64,000 and that compares to, you know, a $10,000 boot camp. Uh, but Professor Spurtis, who runs the program, acknowledges that not everyone can afford the time and money for full-time university education. And she says she thinks the more options there are, the better. I would certainly agree with that. So sounds like a really cool CS program. Yeah, I love that a women's college has such a great hands-on computer science curriculum. And then speaking of women, we are very happy to see a lot of news and initiatives around increasing diversity in tech continuing into 2018. Obviously, there is a long way to go. CES, the Consumer Electronics Showcase, kicked off this year with zero lead women speakers. And Liliana Monge, the founder of Sabio, is quoted in a Reuters article about this, citing that as the reason she's not attending. But within boot camps, there's actually a lot going on. So Lauren, you talked to the reporter for this next piece. Tell us about it. Yes, I had the chance to chat with Sharon Florentine of CIO about how we can create a more diverse tech workforce with coding bootcamp grads. 
This article looks at how coding boot camps are producing more graduates who are more diverse than computer science graduates based on the unique nature of the learning model. As we know, the average boot camp is 14 weeks long and costs about $12,000. So boot camps provide a more conducive environment for a diverse student population and therefore a tech workforce. And another piece from eLearning Inside, this one is about whether online learning can close the gender gap. Uh, they mentioned an example, Block, which is an online boot camp. Uh, and since Block announced their Close the Gap scholarship, 50% of enrollments have been women. We actually find that in our outcomes and demographic survey in online boot camps, women and men are almost equally represented almost gender parity there. So we do see that in online boot camps, uh, this is totally achievable. And I think that's what the author, Kate Etherington, ultimately decides, that online education might at least be one part of a broader solution. Yeah, that's awesome to hear that coding boot camps and online education are really helping the cause. Um, But now let's talk about some real examples of women getting into tech. I read a Fast Company article which profiles Hackbright grad Lindsay Grizzard about being the only woman in her company at her first software engineering job. Lindsay talks about how the company was excited to have a woman joining the team, but once she started, she had to sort of become one of the guys and she could only kind of expose half her personality and she was treated slightly differently than the guys. But Lindsay said she was never hit on and no one ever made any weird jokes. But now she's actually moved on to a second job where she works alongside a number of women. So go, Lindsay. Outsmart Magazine profiled Veronica Diaz, a UT Austin coding bootcamp graduate who won an Eddie Windsor LGBTQ coding scholarship to attend bootcamp. The award was presented by Lesbians Who Tech, a community organization of queer women in or around tech and the people who love them, which paid for half of Veronica's tuition. And how inspiring is it that Veronica was a web developer, but had previously been unemployed in Austin before upskilling at bootcamp with this scholarship? So cool. Um, and then I also read a, a pop sugar profile of Clinae Cameron, who is a really impressive woman of color. She took classes at Hack the Hood in the Bay Area. She's now working at Yelp, but she's starting her own business as well. And she's helping to mentor other women of color. Uh, you can read the whole q and I totally recommend it. Clinae is awesome. But one thing that she said that really stuck out to me was kind of about the pipeline issue in tech. And she basically points out that like begets like, right? She says, it's hard to reach out to somebody outside of our own communities and cultures in order for them to have that same opportunity. We have these programs like Hack the Hood, and that's great. But do the people who need these programs really know about it? I thought that was a really good point and like a reason why we have to get out of our bubble and like recruit people from untapped, talented communities to get into tech. Exactly. So we've talked a lot about how boot camps are helping more women to get into tech. But what can companies actually do? I read an opinion piece by Kai Gao and Wired called How to Buck the Programmer Culture and Get Women into STEM. And she's a woman who is a technical lead engineer at her company. She mentions coding boot camps, local organizations, and what companies and engineering managers can do to increase diversity. As Kai explains, quote, this means creating programs that tell women, we want and expect you to take the lead one day, and sending female staffers to leadership trainings and conferences. The more aware companies are of the problem, the more likely they are to start changing their hiring methods. I think the only way from here is up. And speaking of the future, we read some news this month about boot camps really thinking about how to improve tech in the future. Liz, tell us how apprenticeships may be part of that future. 
I would love to. So this piece in American Genius uses Reviture as an example. And in fact, this is probably the best two-sentence description of the Reviture model I've ever read. Uh, so I will uh, repeat it now. Reviture pitches their program as getting paid while you're in coding school, but it's a shiny apprenticeship model. They supply software engineers to the most office companies. They're talking about banks, insurance brokers, and the like, and pay students minimum wage to take a 12-week course in exchange for a two-year commitment at the company with a 50 to 65,000 a year salary. So I totally agree with CL Brenton, who's the author of this piece, because, you know, we throw around these phrases like hire diverse candidates, open the funnel, you know, get hiring managers to change their practices. But a degree right now in our, you know, status quo is the way that people know that you're qualified for a job. So we have to like find other ways to know that people are qualified for jobs. And Brenton makes the point that an apprenticeship is the perfect platform to witness potential candidates in an actual work place rather than looking at degrees and GPAs. This is a quote from her. She says the best person for a position may not be someone who could afford college, but has the drive and the passion to stick with a company for the long haul. And talking about Reviture, they just announced they're opening a new on-campus learning space at the University of South Florida. And then Tech Launch Coding Bootcamp at the Florida Vocational Institute recently held a free coding class for visually impaired students on January 27th as part of its mission to encourage access to coding bootcamps for everyone, which is so awesome. And this new partnership is definitely looking towards the future. Southern California University of Health Sciences is partnering with Coder Camps to offer a 24-week programming bootcamp focusing on solving real-world healthcare needs. SCU's president and CEO, John Scarange, quotes, There's no denying that healthcare is changing rapidly. This is due in part to advances in technology. As we continue to lead the way in disruptive innovation in the healthcare education space, it is important for us to prepare our students to be leaders in the healthcare system of the future, a future that will heavily involve the use of health tech. Well, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. We heard earlier that, you know, in those top five, like best jobs in that job, best jobs report, like four of them were in healthcare and the top one was a software developer. So cool to see the kind of intersection of healthcare and and tech. Well, there were a few specific scholarships for students that were announced in January. These are all very welcome news, I'm sure, to students themselves. So Imogen, tell us about Uber and Ironhack. Yeah, so Uber is partnering with Ironhack Coding Bootcamp to award $200,000 in coding scholarships to Florida Uber drivers and riders. NBC Miami actually talks to a student from Ukraine who won one of these scholarships to go to Ironhack and now works as a developer at JetSmarter. NBC also profiles Ironhack's Miami campus and looks at how the South Florida tech ecosystem is growing. And I wanted to share a scholarship opportunity from General Assembly. They are looking to recruit bootcamp graduates or experienced developers. Maybe you've graduated from a bootcamp and have have now like had a job or two. They're recruiting people into a five-week fully paid software engineering career accelerator. And then students who successfully complete the accelerator will get an interview for a full stack engineering or developer position with Cognizant which is a Fortune 250 professional services company. So that's a really cool opportunity and almost like an apprenticeship. JRS Coding School announced they are offering a new veteran scholarship starting in January. So JRS Coding School is a full-time 12-week JavaScript boot camp in Charleston, South Carolina, and they are a division of Tabula Rasa Healthcare. 
Interested applicants can reach out to JRS Conan School via email or phone to apply. And WeWork is teaming up with Patriot Bootcamp on a Veterans and Residents program in Austin. That means that 10 veterans who apply and are chosen will get six months of sponsored workspace at a WeWork. Very cool opportunities. So we spend a lot of time focusing on U.S. news in this podcast, but what is happening in other countries? Rana Freifer of WAMDA profiles various efforts to teach refugees to code in Egypt, Iraq, Jordan, and Lebanon. Freifer talks about how organizations like Reboot Camp and Recoded aim to really help young refugees enhance their tech education. Yeah, those are all great initiatives. And then we've talked about Andela before. It's an organization in Africa which offers technical leadership fellowships to aspiring developers. They provide fellows with learning resources and mentored work with tech companies. And one of Dev Bootcamp's co-founders, Dave Hoover, who now leads a software team at Raise, has hired two Andela fellows, and he recently visited Andela in Lagos. He wrote a fascinating Medium post about his experience there and how inspiring it was to meet all the fellows, not to mention exploring an interesting new country. Dave is such a good writer, so I'm sure that uh, he makes a very good case. Elise Joan, who is a Trinidad transplant from Atlanta, Georgia, announced her plans to start a boot camp in Trinidad and Tobago. She says that computer skills are, quote, one way in which people from socially or economically disadvantaged backgrounds can improve their lives and stop being reliant on a job that someone else hired them to do. So we will keep an eye out for that boot camp. So boot camps are constantly doing new things and pushing the boundaries. What boot camp updates did we see this month? So Flatiron School has announced that their new DC location will be at WeWork White House with classes beginning in March. As you may know, WeWork recently acquired Flatiron School, so we were expecting an announcement like this. Many publications covered this, including Technically DC and and American Inno, and we are actually going to be publishing a campus spotlight about that in the next week or two. So stay tuned for that. And then I think there was some other Flatiron news this month, right, Liz? Yeah, well, last week, WeWork announced a partnership with 2U, which for those of you who don't know, is a huge online education company. Most notably, they've been working with universities to help them provide online master's degrees. Uh, That partnership will mean a lot of things for WeWork, but the most important to our industry, to boot camps, is that 2U will license Flatiron School's Learn.co, which is their online learning platform. And because to you as a public company, they had to actually like disclose this. And so according to federal filings, they're going to pay over $13 million to lease it. And the learn.co technology will become the front end of to use online graduate degrees. So a pretty huge prospect for uh, Flatiron School and for that online platform that they built out. Now, in some not-so-positive news, Sam Saban of DC Inno looked at Launch Academy's failed attempt to launch Prism Shift, an all-women's coding boot camp in DC. So Prism Shift was supposed to be an eight-week hybrid online in-person course in Washington, DC, but staff reported that there just wasn't enough interest in the program for it to launch due to the turbulent year of DC's Coding Academy and education programming landscape. Yeah, that was a shame. And then just one more negative story. According to the Triad Business Journal, Coda Foundry LLC filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy in December and is now closed. It was a school for computer programming based in Kernersville, North Carolina, with campuses in Charlotte, North Carolina, and in New York City. The former CEO says he hopes Coda Foundry can offer training again after the bankruptcy has been resolved. 
Yeah, that's disappointing, but we'll continue to give updates as we hear them uh, for Coder Foundry. And Galvanize has a new CEO. His name is Al Roseball. He was most recently with National Cinemedia, and he's served as the city's uh, the city of Denver's uh, chief technology officer for the last decade. He will replace Jim Dieters, who stepped down last year. Business Insider announced that Red Academy has launched a work-study program for international students to provide more diverse talent to Canada's tech sector. This new work-study program comes after the Canadian government recently set up Global Talent Stream, which is a pilot visa program to speed up entry for businesses hiring foreign workers to support rapidly growing industries in tech. It also hopes to bring in 450000 international students by 2022, creating 173,000 new jobs as a part of its international education strategy. And students have access to diploma programs in digital marketing, UX design, and web development at Red Academy's Vancouver campus. HR Dive profiled Rowdy Orbit Impact, a coding bootcamp which trains African-American and Latinx ex-prisoners for programming and tech jobs. The article also mentioned that websites like Glassdoor are banning job posts which discriminate against applicants with criminal records, which that's I thought was very interesting. So cool. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. such a huge move. We were talking about like changing job listings to like not say that you have to have a bachelor's degree and this is along the same lines, but like even a little bit more radical, which is really cool. Yeah, I thought that was really awesome. So Lauren, do you want to tell us about the new schools that we added to the course report directory in January? Yeah, so we have three new schools this month. We have Eloa Education, which is in Brussels, Belgium, Muck Tech Academy in Mexico City, Mexico, and then we have Edit, which is in Porto and Lisbon, Portugal, and Madrid, Spain. Awesome. And then Lauren, what was your favorite piece to write this month? Well, I really enjoyed doing research for the piece called Changing the Face of the Tech Industry. It was really great to dig into the current landscape of the diversity in tech, big debate, and how coding boot camps are really poised to help enhance diversity in 2018. So I really encourage everyone to check out that piece and see how the unique boot camp education model is really helping to change the face of tech. And then what about you, Liz? What piece did you enjoy reading on the blog? Well, this is technically from December, but as we've been mentioning throughout this episode, we published our outcomes and demographics report um, in late December. So please go read it. It's always so cool to see data from actual graduates of boot camps. We surveyed about 1,500 boot camp grads and asked about who they are and if they've seen success after they graduated. Should I give y'all some highlights? Should I give everyone some yeah, highlights? Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. So Coding Bootcamp alumni reported a $24,000 average salary increase in their first job after they graduated. And the average post bootcamp starting salary is about $71,000. So huge salary lifts. And then we also saw that 80% of graduates have been employed in a job that requires the technical skills that they learned at a boot camp. So really cool to see that like the majority of boot camp grads are actually getting those jobs that they're promised. And of course, every year we kind of see interesting demographics. This year we saw that the typical attendee of a boot camp is 30 years old, has six years of work experience, and has at least a bachelor's degree. And that 40% of 2017 boot camp graduates are women. So we collected a ton of data. We have like an insights tab that like really digs deep into all of the alumni success. So I totally recommend checking it out. And then we have a couple of articles around those report stats coming out right now. Lauren just published a piece on gender parity in boot camps, and I'm working on a piece about what sort of salaries you can earn after boot camp. So look out for those on the blog. 
One of the other pieces I really liked this month was the piece that Liz did with a LinkedIn engineer who mentors Holburton students. She had some really awesome things to say about the Holburton students. And she also had some really good advice for students who are going through a boot camp and wondering, you know, what life's like as a real engineer. Totally. She also, that was Neha Jane. And she also started a really cool community called Pi Mothers for like mothers that work in Python and has really cool Q&As on there too. So yeah, that's a really interesting piece. Nice work, Liz. You should, everyone should read it. Yay. Well, thanks y'all for sharing. If this was the first time that you've tuned into Course Report, then you have three great pieces that you can start your research with. And thanks for tuning in. As always, we love feedback. So please email us at hello at coursereport.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, help other future boot campers find it by going to iTunes, subscribing to the Course Report podcast, and leaving us a review. Uh, and look out for our February podcast coming out later next month. Bye. Bye.